0: Good morning. Please turn in your hymnal to number 89 in the blue hymnal for the beauty of the earth on this beautiful morning. Let's sing verses 1, 2, and 3. Please stand and Lydia will play us an introduction.
1: Good morning, and welcome to chapel. Um, It is my great pleasure this morning to also welcome many guests to campus this morning, both prospective students and families, and I believe some uh, teachers from, is it Mennonite schools across the country? I'm not sure from where all, but I believe there's some teachers among us as well. So welcome, we hope you enjoy your visit with us today. Um, And to all of you, I hope you uh, enjoy joining us in worship this morning. Um, Over the past month or so, and I apologize for my scratchy voice, um, we have had the opportunity to hear reflections on faith from a whole variety of voices. Um, In early March, we got to hear from our brothers and sisters in Christ from the Global Mennonite Church. Um, A couple weeks ago, we got to hear some perspectives um, from some of our students on campus who are part of the Center for Intercultural Teaching and Learning. And last week we had the opportunity to hear from uh, a couple of chapels from Shane Claiborne. And so this week, we're going to return to campus and to the local as we hear um, some reflections from one of our own professors of art, uh, Judy Wenig-Horswell, and we're very happy that she has agreed to share with us just a little bit from her life and her experiences of faith. So many of the songs that we are singing this morning are some of Judy's favorites. Um, And as I prepared for this service this morning, I was really struck (laughs) by the beauty um, of the hymn lyrics that we're singing this morning. So I'd invite you to pay particular attention um, to the lyrics and the words that we are singing this morning. Um, Sometimes familiarity can dull our senses, and um, these songs invite us not only into some beautiful music, but also into praise um, of our God as we sing together. As we continue in worship, I invite you to join me in prayer. Our God, we gather to worship you, the one who creates all things. And for the gift of your creation, we give you thanks. We gather this morning to worship you, O God, the one who brings us salvation through Jesus Christ. For this gift of redemption, we give you thanks. We gather to worship you this morning, the one who sustains us. For the gift of your presence, we give you thanks. In your name, our creator, redeemer, and sustainer, we pray, amen. And I invite you to join us in singing our second song of the morning, All Creatures of Our God and King, number 48 in the hymnal.
0: There's a certain symmetry to the the verses we will sing. We'll begin with verse 1, and then we'll sing the three middle verses, 3, 4, and 5, and we'll then sing the final verse. So 1, 3, 4, 5, and 7.
2: and welcome to chapel. I am happy to introduce this morning someone who is a familiar face here at Goshen, but perhaps is more familiar with Goshen College than most in this room. Judy Wenig-Horswell, currently my enameling and art history teacher, has been teaching full time in the art department here at GC since 1976, I believe. After 33 years of teaching, Judy has become a beloved teacher with a wealth of knowledge, inspiration and humor to share with all her students. Judy will be helping lead the Arts in London May term class this May, after which she'll be retiring from Goshen College. All the art students are already mourning her absence and we're hoping to see her around occasionally. It's not often that I get to hear the faith stories of my professors, and I hope that you will join me in giving her a warm welcome.
3: My hand's shaking. That breath is for me. If you can understand how ironic it is that I'm standing here in front of you speaking about my faith journey, I'm still surprised I've been asked, but I feel that this story may be of interest to some of you, I hope if only because it comes from somebody who doesn't come from the Mennonite circle. I grew up in a small farming community near Bowling Green, Ohio. My immediate family and other relatives in the area attend and belong to the Haskins Federated Church, now known as the Haskins Community Church. This is still my church and the foundation of the story I'm telling today. What is a federated church? It's a very strange name. Uh, Most churches don't have names like this. Uh, this church was formed in 1945 when, the two, when two of the four churches in our small town decided that they couldn't function uh, together. No, they couldn't function independently um, because congregations were small, money was s- scarce, and so on. So, after much discussion, they decided to come together and form one church that would accommodate both of the congregations. The UC excuse me, the um, Evangelical Reformed, which became later the United Church of Christ and the American Baptists, which I'm a member of. Now, this was not simply a sharing of a common building and sharing expenses and and that kind of thing, but we actually worshipped together as one congregation every Sunday. These two denominations, we came together as one. I think it is much more common that um, people share a building for expenses and so on, but to worship together I think is a very significant thing and it's one thing that has made a tremendous impact on on how I look at things uh, within the church. We became one distinct entity, a church in our community. Obviously, we shared the makeup of the upkeep of the church, paying the bills, educating the church, and, and so on. But this being together and worshiping together every Sunday was the truly significant thing. By agreement, we were served by one minister from one domina- denomination until that person um, came to the end of his term, and then uh, we tried to get a minister from the other denomination so that there was some kind of balance um, alternating throughout the, the years. Um, as, a, as a child, these uh, doctrinal differences—and and there were doctrinal differences—didn't seem to impact upon me, or I missed, it, or I was busy drawing on the sermon, uh, you know, the, the, um, the bulletin. But. Um, the adults didn't seem to have any great conflict with that. They, you know, they didn't always get along, but that was more of what happens when people are together and they're supposed to get along. Anyhow, um, there were certain uh, differences, such as different conferences, different mission programs, different church camps, and I have to admit that the UCCs always singed better than we Baptists did. And if uh, Aunt Andrea can tell you, I, I uh, don't sing very well. Anyhow, um, and... Lane, you sing really beautiful. I, I, just, I love to listen to you all sing. I, just don't listen to me, okay? I, uh, I used to, when I had sheep, I used to sing to them. They didn't mind at all. But, but I get the feeling here, sometimes that maybe it'd be better just to sing really quietly if you don't know what notes you're supposed to be singing. Anyhow, um, the UCC babies in our church were baptized the Baptist babies were dedicated. And then later, uh, after we attended church membership class, the Baptists were baptized by immersion, and the UCCs were um, confirmed. This happened every Easter. This was the tradition. We lived with this. We didn't think it was odd. (laughs) Uh, And I can tell from the laughter here that you think that's really strange. Um, But it was just the way we did things, and we didn't think anything about it. These people had a little different way of doing it. We had another way. We worked together for the common good. As I grew older and encountered other churches, I became aware of how unusual this situation was and that um, there actually were many variations in Christian ritual. In graduate school, when I attended the Lutheran Church, I had the fantastic discovery that um, some people serve real wine for communion. Now, my friend uh, who had come to my church and had communion, who was Lutheran, she' alert me to this. Of course, I didn't alert her to the fact that we had grape juice either. Uh, but it, was, it was really a shock. Um, but does it make any difference, really? in the long run, uh, if you know what you're doing, anyhow. But um, obviously, the ritual form and doctrine of one's faith is tremendously important. I mean, we wouldn't have all these denominations if we didn't feel that way. And um, these dif- But these differences do not have to limit cooperation, appreciation, and respect for individuals who share um, or have different beliefs or systems for showing how and expressing those beliefs in their, in their worship. Especially, especially when the God we're worshiping is the same God. What, what, what's the point? My church also sponsored um, a mission school. This was a six-week program in the winter, January, February. It uh, was a good time for farm families because that was a little bit the low season of working. And this mission school also had a very important impact on how I look at the world, how I look at a lot of things. Uh, This program um, expanded my interest in other cultures. And those of you that know me know that I love to travel and have traveled uh, quite a bit. The invited missionaries that came were uh, sometimes Americans and oftentimes, or they brought along people from the cultures that these missions were located in. And I was... You know, in Wood County, Ohio, in the 50s, and most of you, you know, you weren't even, and nobody was even thinking about most of you then. um, This was something. This was exciting. We did have TVs, believe it or not, but um, to have this international component, the opportunity for that was really exciting, especially for me. We didn't frequently encounter people that looked any different than us. Or had different backgrounds. And so it was really a very eye opening kind of thing. I was fascinated with these people. I, mean, I, I was interested in how they looked, how they spoke, how they um, wore their clothes or what kind of clothes they wore, what they ate, their country, their geography. You know, we made those relief maps. You know, we, we studied these kinds of things. I, I was just interested in everything the food they ate. Um, they were. National Geographic come alive for somebody in the 50s in Wood County, Ohio. It was remarkable. I really loved going to to, uh, mission school, but probably for all the wrong reasons, for the reasons I've just expressed, and less so in uh, missionaries that are spreading the gospel. Um, I was interested in what I could learn from them. I was extremely fortunate in my growing up years to have Reverend and Mrs. Robert Childs as the uh, leading our church. These two people were both very interested in the arts, in science, and they were very tolerant of the many questions that I would ask. I was not one of those easy kids that would sort of accept what was told and and went along with uh, the program. Um, I didn't accept pat answers. I'd observed my father fix and build many things on the farm, and I knew that that took a lot of time. And so, you know, making the world in a week that seemed pretty remarkable, even if God's doing it. I also um, raised sheep, and I saw what happened when I had a good ram. My market lambs were a lot better, I got ribbons at the fair. So evolution had some, some meaning for me. It, it seemed to make some sense. I know it's more than selective breeding, but it wasn't wrong. It wasn't out of, the, out of the question. And also, I knew that if I didn't have the ram with my ewes in the fall, I wasn't going to have any spring lambs. <laughs> so how do, you, how do you make that work with a virgin birth? I mean, how would you like to have me in your church membership class? It was, it was really a mess. But Reverend Childs, with the patience of Job truly, and also maybe the wisdom of Solomon, um, listened to my questions, these questions, and many, many more, and in, and in the end, provided the response that I needed. He implied that these difficult questions, and the many more that would come, didn't need to to destroy my faith, but that I could and that I would find a way to resolve such questions. That was the answer I needed. That was the support I needed. I think I would not be here, I would not be standing in front of you trying to communicate this if he had been dogmatic about what I had to believe. He was right. I I haven't necessarily found concrete answers to those questions and the new ones that have evolved since then. But more accurately, I have found a peace with the uncertainty and the unknowableness that is part of faith and part of life. If one is alive, alert, sensitive, paying attention, there will always be questions, new issues, or maybe new perspectives to perennial issues. Moving to Indiana, and especially teaching here at Goshen College, has been another significant portion of my faith journey. During my interview with Dean John Lapp in the mid-70s, and after reading all about Mennonites in a little little booklet that actually had that title that I picked up in (laughs) Shipshawana, I was all set for my interview, right? (laughs) Well, that was obviously not the best resource. And I made a rather flippant comment, I probably made more than that, but I meant this one for sure, that I really didn't see see much difference between Mennonites and Baptists, except this issue of pacifism. And to me, that seemed to be a very political thing, not a religious thing. Fortunately, my ignorance and my arrogance didn't cost me this job, and so you've had to suffer with me all these years. While I've maintained membership in my beloved Haskin Church, in many ways the college became my new church in all these years that I've been here. Not in the formal sense, although sometimes I do come to chapel and convo, and I often listen to the Sunday service, the Mennonite church service here on the radio. But being a member of this community for the past 33 plus years has encouraged ways of thinking that have stretched me, that have changed me, and how I look at things, how I understand things, what I believe. Being here, I've had to look at peace and conflict in new ways, ways I would never have done, probably, in other environments. Now I actually do see pacifism as more than a political concept and one that truly has a natural connection with the life and the words of Christ. I probably will never again be able to look at that American flag that shares space with the Christian flag in my church at home. Uh, you've, You've changed me that way. The first time... I went home after sort of getting indoctrinated a little bit here. Uh, It was was really uncomfortable, you know, how to to deal with that. I won't look at it the same way, but for me still, the American flag remains a respectable, a potent, and important symbol for America. The formal presentations and the institutional emphasis on issues of faith here at Goshen College have been enriching But it's really the one-on-one conversation about these and other related topics with such people as Attlee Beachy and Lawrence Burkholder, who I think really, if Mennonites can have saints, I'd make those two saints. Um, As well as conversations with uh, my dear college colleagues like Ruth Crawl, Sue Roth, John Blosser, and John Roth have been invaluable in shaping aspects of the person I'm still becoming. Their openness and non-judgmental engagement has been deeply appreciated. One-on-one conversations with other faculty, staff, and students also have been part of this rich mix. My wonder of the natural world, oh good, thank you. Ben is up there taking care of me with these pictures back here. Good guy. My wonder of the natural world is another significant element in the shaping of my beliefs, and, men, and as many of you know, has a direct impact on my art imagery. Working in the garden, walking in the woods, is almost a religious experience for me. Maybe the words of the hymn, This is My Father's word, World, capture this feeling best. And this is a quote. In the rustling grass, I hear him pass. He speaks to me everywhere. For me, this is true. God is not just here in a church, in a designated space, but is encounterable anywhere. So where am I now? I try to live my life, teach, make art, and interact with those around me in a manner that reflects a respect and a caring for people and for the world. Those of you that know me reasonably well, those of you that have been in my classes, know that sometimes I succeed at this and that sometimes I don't. I fall far short of what is possible. The questions and doubts remain. While I continue to grow in my understanding, the questions and the doubts remain, but I still continue to grow in my understandings. But most present for me is a foundation of faith and a belief in God, sometimes unorthodox for sure. Now we'll try this. Sort of like these crosses that you see behind me. Uh, these are crosses that I made, uh, some of the 25 that I've made over the last 25 years for my mother-in-law. Uh, they were Christmas gifts. Yes. They're not necessarily crosses that uh, you would expect to, to see, and probably, maybe, not even ones you would dare to wear or want to wear. But my, my foundation is sort of like them, in that they're connected, and yet they're uh, a bit unorthodox. This foundation is definitely not one I would or even can describe in traditional religious vocabulary. Just as I have been unable to honestly and intentionally create art that has a religious theme or, or subject matter. I've tried, I've failed miserably at that. It's been cartoonish, it, has been, it doesn't have any meaning. For some reason, most often, I can't do that. But regardless, This faith and belief are true and real. This is a part of me. It has and continues to provide a solid base for living my life, for interacting with others, and for basically trying to be a decent person. Thanks for listening to my story. Judy, thank you.
0: Let's sing number 545 in the hymnal worship book. This will be a rich experience if everyone sings with full voice, including Judy. Let's sing verses 1, 2, and 5. Please stand to sing. Please remain standing for the closing prayer.
1: I invite you to join me in prayer. Loving God, we give you thanks for Judy. Thank you for her many years of service and teaching in this community. We pray for your blessing upon her retirement and that she will enjoy many years of rest, nourishing relationships, creative artwork, and of course time for fishing with her husband. We are grateful for all she has contributed to this place. Gracious God, we continue to live in challenging times and want to remember everyone in our community who is without work. Hold these people and their families close. Help us to support and care for one another through this. Inspire us with the creativity needed to respond to this crisis. Inspiring spirit, we lift up to you this morning everyone who is participating in the 30 hour famine today. May they have a meaningful day as they reflect upon the gift of food and the realities of hunger in our world. We pray especially for the organization Seeds of Hope that works with HIV AIDS in Africa. May their work be meaningful and reach those who are in need. As we go from this place, O God, fill us with your peace as we face the busyness of this time of semester. Grant us your guidance to those who are discerning next steps in life. And help us to go into the world doing what you require, living with kindness and justice, walking your path humbly. In all this we pray, amen. Go in peace. Have a good day.